1: Go for the Niners, the eighth. McCaffrey comes left, that door is closed, but he finds a way through, and McCaffrey twirls to the end zone for the touchdown. What a run! His second of the night. Now, back to Steiny and Guru on 95 7, the game. And for Steiny and Guru, Dan of alongside my man Sterling Bennett is the San Francisco 49ers. You heard part of the call from Mike Tirico at the broadcast last night and the touchdown by one Christian McCaffrey, one of his two on the day. My man Sterling, strong, strong proponent of the, if it's not going to quarterback for the MVP this year, that Christian McCaffrey is your guy. I'm saying that you have to consider Tariq Hill speed kills, speed kills. It just – It does. It's one of those things, because that's the last thing really missing and what is already – perfection with the 49ers. A burner? I talked about this and it's just not fair. Nobody has the talent like that of San Francisco on both sides of the ball. If they actually get somebody who can just pick him up and put him down, I don't know, Danny Gray's well, healthy yeah.
0: yet? He is healthy. He just in the doghouse is unfortunately.
1: But just think about that cuz now cuz what Tariq Hill does and when you have speed, it just you don't have to throw the ball to him, but you've got to shade part of the field that way, you know, you just as they like to say take the lid off but as you as you just you run those go routes and even if you're not the number 1 option yeah. you just open up everything underneath cuz now your linebacker's got to get d- deeper drops you know your safety's got to help that way it just becomes another weapon when you're thinking about ah now they got speed but in order for that to be a serious threat yeah whoever has the speed of his Danny Gray whoever they do get to the outside you got to throw a couple of those and they have to be complete for touchdowns or long gains to gain the respect of somebody defending you in the NFL. He's not
0: a burner, but dare I say Brandon Ayuk has kind of taken on that role where he said on a podcast recently with Eric Armstead that there were just balls last year that I wasn't getting thrown. There were balls previous years I just wasn't getting thrown. I was open I wasn't getting thrown the ball. And now we see this year, he's open a lot and he's getting the ball a ton. It feels like what putting him out deep on deep crossers, on post routes, on go balls, that Purdy's actually throwing them now, even if he isn't hitting all of them, albeit Purdy is, I believe, the most efficient deep ball thrower in the entire league this year, which is insane to think about. But it feels like just having Ayuk on the field and having him go deep, it opens up Debo underneath for the good, you know, five-yard little crosser that turns into 20. Kittle over the middle sitting on a pocket for a 7 turns into 10. It feels like Iuk has kind of taken on the role of the burner but doesn't have the speed of a burner.
1: Who is the fastest guy in the team right now? It used to be Raheem Mostert.
0: Yeah, which is in he's in Philadelphia. I, you know, so I I don't know. I I think I would say Danny Gray, but he doesn't play.
1: Wait, Raheem Mostert is is no longer in oh, Miami? Miami,
0: sorry, sorry. Yeah, Miami, sorry. yes. Sorry.
1: For Danny Gray, oh, that's right. Well, how about guys that actually see the field?
0: <laughs> uh at that point I think I would have to say probably CMC. Really faster than I think CMC's faster than Christian than uh, Brandon Ayuk. Wow.
1: I don't think I I think of Brandon Ayuk as a guy that's a burner. Okay. I think that he's uh, his routes, yeah, if you're gonna throw a go route between him and Debo, I think it's gonna be Ayuk yeah. that you'd want on that pattern. I think a lot of these guys are just it's it's scheme, right? Because yeah. Sterling, who throws a bomb anymore besides Tua? Mahomes. Like, off of, yeah. They'll can, drop it, but he'll throw it. Yeah, no, he can go down the field. But aside from those two, it's it's primarily offenses right now. They're looking to dissect you. They're looking to be innovative. They're looking to spread it out. They're looking to go RPO, and they want to beat you at 8 to 12 yeah. yards a chunk. And that's just sort of the way you do things. And, and I would always argue that if you can give me a drive of 10 to 12 plays and choose seven minutes off the clock.
0: It's way better than a go ball.
1: No doubt. Your defense not only gets rust, but that takes the soul away from a defense. When you're just on your heels and you have no idea, and your head's on a swivel, I have no idea what this this offense is going to do. So I've never been a big fan. I mean, back in the day, yeah, just gear back and let a rip. But I think those days are in the rearview mirror.
0: I also think the the go-ball offense is what I'll call Miami. I do think we have seen when they play better defenses, a better opponent, that – when they're not playing a Denver Broncos defense in Week 3 and putting up 70 points, that there's a lot of weaknesses to a speed-kills, go-ball offense. Where they played Philadelphia, it was close late, but overall, Philadelphia was a better team. I think if you put the Dolphins in the playoffs today, they're a great team. Uh, Tyreek Hill, again, is up in that conversation of MVP for non-quarterbacks. Guaranteed. But I do think a Shanahan-led team can beat, and we saw it last year, can beat a a speed heavy offense that is the dolphins.
1: Ta- time to talk, did I cut you off?
0: Oh, you're good, you're good.
1: Time to talk about the
0: defense. <laughs> here we go. Not about Jake Moody, Legatron?
1: I saw that according to the Xfinity oh, yeah. mobile text line. <laughs> he's legomatic. Legomatic? He was good, he's getting better for the rookie. Yeah. That's Do you still hold your breath? Well, I do. Whatever, but here with every look, it's a lot like Purdy. It's that with every every game you gain confidence, and that's all kicking is, right? These guys can all nail it. It's just a matter of how you wired between your ears.
0: Yeah, but I think I've seen Purdy do it for seventeen, eighteen no, games I'm now. Or with Jake, it's like, oh, like I saw you do it in training camp and OTAs. Saw you not do it for three straight games, and now it's like every time you kick, I'm holding my breath, hoping it goes. Uh, in the uprights but he's
1: good he's been good of late
0: lately yes but still it's like oh, okay that one went in thank god okay cool we made it past the
1: field goal unit Jeez. speaking of special teams despite the beginning of that game with a kick return yeah and seattle lives in special teams they love it they'll run the ball it's all about defense and special teams that's pete carroll like that's how he lives but i think last night for one of the few times maintaining this dominance san francisco actually statistically, and just from watching the game clearly with a better special teams unit.
0: Outside of one play, yes, Daryl Luter Jr. getting his second NFL career game, a massive touchdown-saving tackle that held Seattle to three points and kept the game within uh, a four-point differential, like, Young players making defensive or uh, special teams plays. Now, they did lose George Odom last night to a bicep injury. It looks like it's torn. Could be out for the year, so a massive loss there. Losing two safeties in back-to-back weeks. um, That's going to hurt San Francisco, no matter which way you look at it, defensively or on special teams. But, yeah, I think for the first time in a long time, it it feels like whether it was Trenton Cannon getting hurt a few years back in, in Seattle or these weird fake punts they would do and you're just like what is going on like like how does seattle they'll be out of a game and they'll pull some rabbit out of their hat on special teams they'll get a touchdown fake punt whatever it is and you're just like they're right back in it last night it felt like san francisco took that out of the game for them which was great like that's how you win games in seattle
1: i mean it got so bad that the 49ers actually stole their guy schneider yeah and then seattle (laughs) still dominated when it came to special teams let's talk a little defense where do you want to go with this? You want to go Charverius Ward? I thought the defensive line. Let's start defensive line because it's not it's Bosa coming off the edge. Yeah, yeah. it's Chase Young coming off the bench, who had no, the no
0: tackles last night and no sacks last night.
1: But yeah, but he's changed. Yeah, oh, have you yeah. noticed since he's been on the team what it's done to create the middle? The energy the has- pressure
0: been way better you're seeing armstead get home exactly. You're seeing Hargrave get home yeah, the Bosa's middle, already now, getting home
1: you're talking about the interior now yeah. i think there's been a huge cause and effect is now you have to shade or hedge now to the outside when you're thinking about you know taking care of Bosa or at least somebody chipping when it comes to you know trying to stave off the on charging chase young it's creating an opportunity now for armstead and company to go one-on-one and just do their thing but last night it was a, uh, you know, you ever seen those movies? I don't, you watch movies. I don't know specifically which one, but again, I'll throw out my phrase I used early on: some poor bastard in a straw house, you know, and there's like some tsunami. It's, it's like the whole roof caved in. It's yeah. not one guy. It's like I don't even know how you share those sacks statistically last night. It's four dudes getting up and doing their own dance, right? It's not one guy like let me celebrate shrug,
0: the Hargrave box and kick through it. The, the Armstead tummy rub for Thanksgiving night. Yeah, It's it feels like, coming into the year the conversation was, you have Hargreave and Armstead, they're taking up double teams. Bosa, and whether it's Drake Jackson or Cleland Farrell, they're going to have the one-on-one. They're going to be able to win so much this year. Now that Chase Young, and even to a certain degree, Randy Gregory's in the building, but more so Chase Young... It's almost as if Bosa and Young are taking up double teams, and Hargrave and Armstead are getting home now, which is the exact opposite of what it was supposed to be coming into the year, but it's proving to be actually worth it, and I think they have 16 sacks between them the past four games, which is incredible. Bosa, Armstead, and Hargrave, 16 sacks the past four games. That's the reason why they're winning. The defense is getting home.
1: The defense with that defensive line and Chase Young, again, just assimilating with his new players, that's only going to get more impactful. And that I'm a big defensive line guy. I always, I'm a big believer that it happens as, you know, back in the day. They the used trenches. To, in the trenches. They used to talk about the big uglies up in front. And oh, that's, yeah. that's who determines who wins or loses football games. As great as Patrick Mahomes is in that Super Bowl against Tampa Bay, what nullified him? is the fact that Vita v and all those yeah. all those boys were getting after hafted and and that offensive line at the time and of course they addressed that over the offseason and went back to a Super Bowl I'm talking about Kansas City but it's good my point being as good as Patrick Mahomes is what's the one, what's the kryptonite pressure him pressure any quarterback they may beat you once or twice they can't live in that space nobody can ha- if they're continually off their spot having to throw from different platforms They are not going to beat you. That's how you nullify a great quarterback. And as good as Jalen Hurts is, which is why when people have this fear, one of the callers earlier today, oh, it's Philadelphia, it's Philadelphia. Just comfort yourself again that you're a better team because nobody in the NFL personnel-wise matches up with the San Francisco 49ers. And if you're afraid of Devontae Smith and if you're afraid of A.J. Brown and if you're afraid of Jalen Hurts, who is a good quarterback – Although I would argue being very pedestrian, especially for a half against Kansas City, although making the throws when he had to, I would argue that that defensive line could dictate everything you need to know about that game. Despite it being in Philadelphia, despite the hostile environment, when you have a D-line that can get after a quarterback, it disrupts everything.
0: I was going to ask you, we've seen them the Trevor Lawrence and and Baker Mayfield, now Geno Smith. I think all of those guys would be B-to-C tier quarterbacks. I think Lawrence being the best of those three. Then we have Jalen Hurts coming up, and, and I get it. He hasn't played up to his MVP level of last year, but I do think he is an entirely different animal. He has to go ball. He is mobile. Uh, Philadelphia just does things differently. Differently, while maybe there isn't this fear of their offense as there once was last year, it does seem as if they're going to have their biggest test from a quarterback standpoint, maybe outside of Joe Burrow earlier this year, who just destroyed the defense in every single way. I am a little concerned about this pass rush, or are we overhyping the pass rush knowing the quarterbacks they have played the past three days, no. two weeks? No? Because okay. it has
1: nothing to do with the quarterback.
0: Okay. I just mean, like, Hertz should be able to evade pressure much better than Lawrence and Mayfield with and Smith. There. He's much better on the run, and their offense is tiered to if there's pressure, uh, he's going to be able to find somebody. DeAndre Swift's having a great year out there yeah. in Philadelphia. I just feel like Philadelphia is more prepared to face a front like San Francisco. It's a good
1: point. He has the most escapability of anybody yeah. that they face this year. I would agree with you there, but it gets back to my point. If you're pressuring a quarterback and if you're being dominant and you're even, you know, even if he he releases a ball but he knows you're there and Bosa's blowing in his ear or he just, you know, he barely beats his sack by that of Chase Young and Chase Young is just like, you know, my man, I'm going to be here on the next snap. Like that, that takes its toll. I talked about Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes can still be Patrick Mahomes, but throughout four quarters at some point, you just say, "Uncle," you succumb. You cannot be if a defensive line. And we'll we'll see. I mean, you're right. Jalen Hurts is more equipped than any quarterback they faced this year to beat that pressure, get to the outside, gain some some opportunity to to realign his vision down the field and make something out of nothing. He's the best quarterback the Niners have faced that'll be able to do that. But you can't win that way. You cannot win off schedule. At some point, you've got to execute the offense that Sirianni has designed, right? Like yeah. you got to go through your progression. We've got to hit Devontae Smith on this shallow cross because that's you know, that's what I've designed all week. That's the way we're going to move the ball down the field. It's nice once in a while that you can break contain and make a huge play, but we are not going to beat the 49ers by playing football like that for four quarters.
0: Well, and that's where last night's game you point to, okay, you know Seattle has three strong receivers and you're getting pressure, and if Geno you know, Smith is going to get out of the pocket and try to make a mobile throw or an off-schedule throw, you have guys like Mooney Ward locking it down. He was phenomenal last night. That may be the best performance he's had in San Francisco since he got here last year.
1: That might be one of the best performances I've seen maybe since Dion.
0: Th- that may have been San Francisco's best lockdown, fall of the receiver, shadow him the entire game since Dion. Like They haven't had anybody do that ever. Sherman didn't do that, and he was great here for a handful of seasons. Sherman wasn't doing that. Nate Clements was not doing that at all. <laughs> well, Harris wasn't doing that. Mike Rumpf wasn't doing that stuff. Like, Mooney Ward last night, as a CB1, looked like an all-pro.
1: And you could see that there were there were two discussions that took place before that game. First, of the
0: Seattle Seahawks. In their
1: little private meetings, Pete Carroll and company said, look, it, we had some success stretching the field against... Our man, Charvarius Ward.
0: Was she on a table shirtless, too, getting work up, <laughs> worked on? He might have been, knowing Pete, chewing gum as well. Well, he did go shirtless
1: into the press <laughs> conference. When, who who was it that they they brought in that he went in shirtless? Well, it was DK Metcalf.
0: Wow. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, he did. Right? He, did. he took his shirt off. Because a of college shirtless. photo. Yep. With A.J. Brown. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I think they said, we had success a year ago with our go routes and stretching yeah. the field against Charvarius Ward. Let's do that again. It was by design yeah. that they went after Charvarius Ward, and they wanted to go down the field on Charvarius Ward. And I think Pete Carroll knew that, as did Mr. Kyle Shanahan. And Shanahan also had a discussion with his young DB and said, look it, it's DK Metcalf. I know there were some demons from a year ago. They're going to go after you. That's just life in the NFL. I want you to be equal to the task. And he mirrored him. It wasn't one of those that if he comes on my side of the field, yeah. I'm locked up with him. No. Where are you, DK? I'm going to shout at you all over the field. And he absolutely stoned and nullified that guy throughout. Not only him, but Lockett challenged him in the end zone? Yeah. I know. Uh, seriously, it is so difficult to do with the complexities and the advantages that offensive and offensive minds have in this day and age of football in 2023, that when you consider a lockdown. The days of Deion Sanders, I would argue,
0: those are yesteryear, you know? The days of, yeah. of a guy that just takes away half the field. Like your best ones are what? Jalen Ramsey, uh, Darius Slay. But even then, like some of those guys are, are nickelbacks. Uh, some of those guys aren't shadowing the number one receiver every single play. But even Kyle Shanahan told him, like, you are going to follow him. You. Kyle Shanahan, the head coach, the offensive genius he is, told – the defensive back, Mooney Ward, you're going to follow him. I don't know how often that happens or a head coach that really is the offensive coordinator comes into the meetings and says, pause, you, <laughs> Mooney Ward, you're following DK. I don't know what Wilkes told you, but this is what's going to happen on Sunday. Darius Revis or
1: Darrell Rivas yeah. back in the day was a guy that could take Revis away half
0: yeah.
1: Those guys don't live here anymore, and it's not because of the quality of, of DBs or corners has lessened over the years. It's not about the mediocrity that Tom Brady alluded to this past <laughs> week. It's the fact that you just simply because of the complexities of the offense and the offensive mind now we're spreading the formation, and these guys usually have just a step ahead. You don't see, just to take it a step further, you don't see the days of the Ravens back in 2000 or going back to yesteryear of the Chicago Bears of 86, where you're just giving up a field goal a game. A good defense now, you're giving up you know, two touchdowns a game. 17-point points. Yeah, you're still considered one of the best defenses in the league. That's that's because the offensive mind has just so advanced these days. So it was rare to see somebody like that at Charvarius Ward and what it was that he did last night against one of the best wide receivers in the game to go along – with the defensive front, which those two always work hand-in-hand, hand, oh, yeah. right? <sighs> that there are there are no warts on that defense as well. We haven't talked about Fred Warner. Drake Greenlaw led the team in tackles. I do want to talk about, you know, what was the one thing during the week we were saying, well, there's a level of concern because we lost
0: Talanoa Hufunga. Yep. Was that ever a concern last night? Going into the game, Yes. It really was and kind of pairs with the Mooney Ward conversation of they're going to want to beat you guys deep. They're going to want to take top off the defense and they're going to challenge and test this defense over the top. Whether it's Jair Brown getting his first NFL career start, whether it's Mooney Ward. That was the fear. He didn't get beat once. His worst play was a missed tackle, which he completely olayed on Zach Charbonnet. If you're going to miss one tackle and then Fred Warner and Greenlaw are going to make him get one yard after that, whatever. I'll take that any day of the week as long as it's not in the end zone. Jair Brown was didn't even hear his name, which I guess is the best compliment for him outside of an offensive lineman. Like, if you don't hear your name as a day one starting safety as a rookie, that's great. like That's perfect. That defense
1: now, if it's not the best in the NFL, it's certainly in the conversation and it's reminiscent of back in 2019 the defense to go along with the offense back to what i've been saying throughout the entire show today it's almost unfair nobody all right not our fans and i see this again through the objective lens that i'm not you know i'm not about the 49ers and i'm not a huge fan i just i'm telling you i'm coming straight at you and there's nobody in the national football league on both sides of the ball They can match up with San Francisco. Now, does that mean you run the table and win every game? No, no, all right? I'm always reminded the ball's, you know, it's oval. When it hits the ground, you have no idea where that thing is going to bounce. But San Francisco, there should be a level of security when you go into Philadelphia or anywhere else, should they get to a Super Bowl, that this team should win the game.
0: It does feel like that even though San Francisco had that three-game stretch where you're just like, what's happening? How are we losing to a rather mediocre vikings team losing to the Bengals, who just get healthy at the right time who are now all banged up again and then losing to a third string quarterback and no nick chubb cleveland browns and you're sitting back like this should not be happening even in those games they were in them till the very end basically maybe a handful of mistakes away from actually winning those games a couple missed field goals away it didn't feel like they were too far off even on their worst days this year and if they're on their best days and they're winning by 18 points, and it could be more. I don't see how anybody, AFC, NFC, which the NFC is not that great this year. Like, San Francisco should be at least a shoe in for the NFC championship game again this year. Like, it, it should be a shoe in
1: Here's the thing, though. And getting back to those three losses, which I had no issues with. Unless you're going to be perfect this year... Right, unless you want to be New England when they lost that Super Bowl to the New York Giants, unless you want to be the 1972 Miami Dolphins and be undefeated, untied through the regular season and the postseason, get the bad taste out of your mouth. Football hasn't changed. It's the same damn thing. You want to be hitting your stride, the most important part of the season, that's December and January, heading to the postseason. You, you want to be playing your best football, and so – those losses, yeah, they're bad, but everybody deals with that. <laughs> that's just part of the ebb and flow of the NFL. And, again, even during those losses, Purdy specifically, I don't think they played all that poorly. <laughs> but that's if you're going to lose, lose then. All right? That's that's when you want to say, okay, because at some point, you're going to get bit in the tush. And so let it happen early on. We We learn from the mistakes. You get Chase Young. And now it's just – that ain't happening again, basically. And this football team is just too, too good. And again, when you play anybody, and I don't care who it is, Kansas City, anybody coming out of the AFC, the 49ers have the most talent should everybody be healthy. All right, yeah, the text line going after me, don't try jacking. My, my jacket man will not, ki- will not quit. What I want to continue with, Sterling, is the Eagle conversation and just set the stage for what's going to be an epic game coming up next week when the Eagles take on the San Francisco 49ers, the thing is going to be in Philadelphia. Your thoughts, hit us up on the text line or call us and let us know. Does Philadelphia, when they take on the 49ers, do they have a shot of beating this 49er team? Or do you look at it as though do the 49ers have a shot of beating Philadelphia? Who's winning that thing? Sterling Bennett and Dana Bone. We're going to continue. Brought to you by Xfinity, the Xfinity 10G Network made for streaming live sports. It's the Eagles and the Niners, man. It does not get any better than this. We'll talk more about that right here on 95.7 The Game.
2: Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
0: Bring some heat. Kino Smith some trouble. Trying to escape. Can't do it. Niners get to him
2: for a big sack.
1: Now, Morning. back to Steiny and Guru on ninety-five-seven. The Game. I'll get it right, Sterling.
0: Just jump in the gun.
1: <laughs> by th- 5 o'clock tonight, I'll get it right. One of the six sacks on the evening. Enjoyed by that of the San Francisco 49ers. The defense, and that D word, continues to surf as dominant again. And it's one of those that, you know, it's... It used to be all about Bosa, the Defensive Player of the Year, coming off the edge. So What are you going to do? How are you going to defend him? Now you got Chase Young coming off the other edge, the two guys taking number two overall in successive draft picks out of Ohio State. And now you're seeing the pressure up the middle from Hargrave and Eric Armstead. It is almost too much. And Gregory coming. Gregory back in the day with Dallas? He's great. He was our guy.
0: He was great in Denver last year, too.
1: What was Farrell? He was a number four overall. I want to say he was, think a, so. he was number four. Something about that. A number four pick Mr. Raider, Farrell.
0: Raiders cannot draft well at all. Well, <laughs> so bad.
1: You wonder what, it, what happened to him. Maybe <laughs> yeah. he's found a home here. And then a two number two picks when you're talking about Chase Young and Joey Bosa. So that, that defensive line is the best in football and I think only going to get better because Chase Young is just he's just warming up. I think you have not heard the end of Chase Young. I know he's freeing things up. Yeah. But Chase Young, man, the, this guy, for those of you out in the nation's capital in DC and the commander fans, you know what it is that he can do.
0: Well, going back to Bosa for a second, in the playoffs last year it felt like Bosa he was tired. I do wonder while the acquisition of Hargrave and Young should be able to kind of keep Bosa going late in the year, free him up, get him off the field at times, get him a breath. I also do wonder that having no offseason program, having no OTAs, no training camp, and his body not really being right at the beginning of the year, I do wonder his body looks right now. It looks like it's back to DPOY status. I do wonder if the lull period for him to begin this season actually might indeed help them later in the year.
1: Yeah, I, anybody else I'd say maybe this dude and his brother, they're nuts. All right, those guys are just, when it comes to fitness, when it comes to taking care of themselves, if there's anybody that's not going to be there and you were to entrust them, you can make sure you're going to be game ready, you, you're going to make sure that you're going to have your legs come the end of the season. Those two lunatics, whatever the hell it is that they do out there in Florida, <laughs> like I would trust them being ready physically.
0: I just mean, like last year we saw him in the playoffs, just I think he had like one sack in three games. He just wasn't who he or at least sack wise, box score wise, wasn't who he was during the regular season. I do wonder that now that his body's right with better personnel around him, that come playoff time, there isn't going to be this where's Bosa conversation. It's gonna be, oh, gotcha. he has three or four sacks and he's lighting up Galen Hurts or whoever the quarterback is.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, this this is almost too much, man. It's it's too much offensively. Pick your poison high it is that you want to get beat and then defensively that defensive line is just star studded from beginning to end and when you have a d line that's dominant like that's it's going back to the days of the steel curtain like football is predicated on that that's the foundation man that's when you're real the game today is so skill set and spread out we got wideouts and we got quarterbacks. They can throw the ball 80 yards in the air, and we can outscore you. But when you have a defense that just punishes you, right. that just absolutely dictates the tempo of a football game, that's rushing a quarterback, that's sacking a quarterback, and it's and it's not just one guy as it has been historically with the 49ers, but right across the board, it's four
0: dudes, four guys. <laughs> How many times yesterday were all four of them getting yeah. up and doing their own private dances? Even, even then it was like Armstead, Bozeman, and Warner's in there, and you're like – how are five, six guys getting home at the same time? That's you know what I don't mean to interrupt, but that's a
1: good point because you don't need to bring pressure. No. Why would you even blitz? There's you don't have to, four and saying go. No need to bring
0: anybody. Now, to Steve Wilkes' credit, last night, like third and eight, Seattle's marching. What do they do? Delayed blitz by Warner, him, Hargrave, and Bosa all get home. Uh, call it a night. Like Steve Wilkes, I know we criticize him for the the you know the the. The go blitz, whatever you want to call it, the all-out blitz against the Vikings. He has been dialing up the blitz at the right time since the bye week. With the defense already playing at a high level, it feels like that, whether it's being out of the booth on the field, if it actually does improve things, or if, if this just how the way things are going for them, this defense is playing together with their defensive coordinator, which hadn't felt like that was happening for the first pers- you know, six games of the season, they were playing win- playing good, they won five games in a row, like, I'm, I'm not taking it away, but it felt like there was a little period of, like, something just feels off, there's something that is discombobulated, Wilkes out of the booth on the field now, it feels like they are in tandem, whether it's linebackers, the edge rushers, the interior guys, or the secondary, it's just a whole group effort as it right now.
1: Really quick, it's a football Friday brought to you by First Five California to learn four things you can do to overcome toxic stress. Go to firstfivecalifornia.com. dot com. Do you think him coming out of the booth? I
0: don't think it mattered. <laughs> I, I maybe from a communication standpoint of looking somebody in the eyes and having the pad in front of the you know, them and saying, Hey, like you're you're over here, you need to be over here. I get that, but if it's that big of a difference, you have much bigger problems going on. If I'm Steve
1: Wilkes, you don't want to be in a booth. Interesting. Nobody should be in a booth. Well, I'll tell you why. Interesting. I don't know if Steve Wilkes, who really got jobbed out there, his coaching he job did. in Arizona, where yeah. he got Josh Rosen for Yikes. a season, and then of course they bring in Kyler Murray the next year and he gets shown the door. Yeah. Like Wilkes really didn't get an opportunity. But if you want to coach again in the NFL, get your butt on the sidelines. How do you think Robert Sala got the job? Now, Robert Sala obviously had that remarkable defensive unit back in 2019, and he's a good defensive coach. But a lot of this, as we always talk about, it's the optics. Remember when the defense would come off the field and there was Robert Sala high-fiving these dudes, just body-bumping them, just, you know, dapping them up? And you're looking (laughs) at this guy with the shaved head. He's chiseled, and you're like, whoa. Like who like one of them. And you had the feeling like... I want that guy. Yeah, like I want that dude. You know, running my team at my press conferences—that is a good-looking defensive coach. Like part of all of that is part of the PR package that you're selling. Yeah. Same thing with D'Amico Ryan's, who saw, you know, he saw what it is that Robert Sala was able to do in procuring his future. He's like, it wasn't by accident. that D'Amico was doing the same thing to a certain degree. Former linebacker, chiseled, looking good, and that. You know, shirt that's two sizes too small, (laughs) you know, flexing, coming out on the sidelines and greeting his team. And all the cameras, right, the cameras are on these guys. Like, the country can see you out on the field celebrating with your defense, although when your defense would get gassed and and give up touchdowns, you you couldn't see him. You know, he's (laughs) he's nowhere to be found. It does
0: feel like the booth was – I'm not saying Wilkes was doing this for that reason and being up there, but when you're not playing well, it does feel like you're hiding which isn't the case, that's where he wants to be, him being a defensive backs coach almost his entire career, he can see the field better from there. Shanahan even said that as an offensive guy, I want to be in the booth, I can see things better from there, but if it has had any impact of figuring this defense out, unlocking the defensive line, getting sacks and getting pressures, he's never going back up there, ever. I don't care if they win 10 games in a row and he asks. Hey, Kyle, can I go back up there? Kyle's like, no, you are down here for the rest of your time in San Francisco.
1: And there's no reason, again, why he should, just from an optics standpoint. And I do not that's all it is, quite frankly. Communication, nah, I don't mean anything at the end of the day. It's just the fact, get out on the field and celebrate with these guys so everybody can see you're the guy orchestrating this good, good defense. Lead to a, you know, if you want another coaching job, it could be there for you. Hey, Sterling Bennett, do you know who's 6'5 and 320 pounds? Not me. Well, Je- you, might have been at, you might have been at one point.
0: <laughs> I <laughs> was three hundred pounds. Not six five though.
1: You were a, you were three bills. I,
0: my sophomore year of high school, I was six two, two hundred ninety eight pounds. Holy
1: Christmas! Yep. By the way, Sterling Bennett, who was the biggest dude at the station, but now chiseled. The three <laughs> the three bills are gone, but the six two is not. So, he's you know he you're my you're my private you're my bodyguard. I do frequent
0: a Planet Fitness once in a while, so yes.
1: 6'5 and 320 pounds. Those are the dimensions of one Javon Kinlaw. It's a big man. How the hell did he get hurled in the air last (laughs) night? Did you see that?
0: It picked him up and just flipped him over like it was nothing.
1: Like, that had to be the most humiliating thing that's ever happened to that big man.
0: I do wonder, though. If you're going to pick a fight with somebody, you'd rather it not be the 6'5, 320-pound person standing in front of you. But also, it's not just that he's 6'5, 320 pounds— this man goes into the woods and just eats squirrels. <laughs> like, this man is a savage. He's a caveman. I He would eat me alive. I would never want to test Javon Kinlaw. He already tried to with the media here. Like, he is not the person I'd ever want to test, knowing he's out there not even caring about rabies shots or tetanus shots. He's eating squirrels in the forest at your local park, and you want to fight that guy? Not a chance.
1: So if, if you're not familiar with what it is a we're alluding to. There was it a punt? It was a field goal. A field goal I believe, attempt. Yes, and it Guess was the halftime. It was the one that was missed by Seattle by Myers. Yeah, and Javon Kinlaw I, somehow he got airborne. Although I don't know how that happened. he jumped to
0: block the kick despite being on the outside <laughs> edge. It was like you have no chance. What are you doing? Yeah,
1: I don't know why. Again, why he would ever leave his feet, and he got straight up WWE prone as he. He he! The it was the offensive line yeah, Stone, that somebody got him.
0: Stone foresight. Stone
1: foresight. That's a great
0: name. Stone.
1: Speaking of WWE, yeah,
0: right. You were there. You know. Yeah,
1: and he just absolutely threw him over there and body slammed him, slung him right over the shoulder, and just absolutely <laughs> humiliated one Javon Kinlaw. I think there were personal fouls. Yeah, one on on your man Stone.
0: My uh people were complaining that Stone Foresight wasn't ejected. And I was like, okay, this call personal foul, offsetting, end of the half. People were, like, legit angry that he wasn't ejected from the Niners standpoint.
1: Yeah, and somebody brought this up as well, and I think it was an interesting point that, well, it's Javon Kinlaw. I mean, if anybody (laughs) can take it, it's Javon Kinlaw. No, that's Brock Purdy getting slung over the shoulder, and that's anybody else but Javon Kinlaw. I mean, it's a personal foul and it's a penalty, but I'm like that. I
0: also feel like we've seen this team, like Trent Williams is not afraid to swing at somebody. Against the Giants this year, did it twice in the same, felt like two minutes against their defensive line. I do wonder, would it have taken a swing to the helmet to get somebody ejected? Like, Williams swiped against the Giants right to the face mask and they were like, go to your locker room separate it. But getting toppled over, then wanting to go back and forth and push and shove, it was like people were that angry about it. I didn't care. It was like, you guys can swing. It's grown men taking care of grown men. Handle it yourself. But, again, I would never want to try to take care of a 320-pound 6'5 Javon Kinlaw.
1: See, that's another guy I would put in that non-quarterback MVP conversation. Javon Kinlaw? (laughs) Trent Williams.
0: Okay. I was like, what's going on?
1: Trent Williams is a guy that just does not get enough credit. Yeah. And you're an offensive lineman, so it's not going to happen. But Trent Williams is just silly yeah. to have that size and those feet and that quickness. When you're talking about the success of Christian McCaffrey and how much he means to that football team, I think they sort of go hand in hand. It's a good point. And there's a reason why they run to their left predominantly. Yeah. And Trent Williams, it's not about just leaning on guys and creating a crease right at the point of attack. He's out on sweeps. Mm -hmm. He's out on screens. This guy wants to get downfield. Is there anything worse if you're a DB at 5'10", 175, (laughs) and you got this dude bearing down on you? Trent Williams is valuable to that team, which is why, again, it's just too much at the end of the day. It's the Warriors now getting Kevin Durant. It's just um, the rest of the league saying, uncle,
0: when you think about this 49er personnel. We saw a player on the Jags turn his back and run the opposite <laughs> way. He's like, I am taking a business decision. I want nothing to do with Trent Williams. Uh, but going back to last night, you're right. The games Trent Williams didn't play, you felt a massive hole in the running game. I get the had McCaffrey there. I get the Debo healthy for a few games before Trent came back. But it did feel like that without Trent Williams, there was like their identity was gone offensively, which is odd to say. Yes, you take away your starting left tackle of any team, they're gonna be hurting for something. And Jalen Moore didn't even play poorly; he was just fine. He, he had they been healthy the entire time without just Trent Williams, they probably beat the Vikings. I I would think they probably beat. The Browns had Trent been the only one that got hurt, and it wasn't CMC, and it wasn't Debo Samuel too. But you can tell without Trent Williams, this offensive line plays entirely different. Chris McCaffrey's running ability uh, diminishes, although slightly, it's still not as good. Like that man could probably eat the entire Thanksgiving turkey, and I'd say, yep, he deserves it. That's how important he is to this team.
1: Also, the absence, I think, of Debo Samuel is something that you cannot, yeah. you know, underestimate.
0: Do you knock Brandon Ayuk for how he played without Debo? Meaning? It felt like at times that the whole conversation this offseason was he wants to get paid, he's playing great with Debo on the field, a couple touchdowns against the Steelers. Then it kind of felt like he disappeared a little bit without Debo on the field. And I get he you have one less star on the offense, Ayuk's going to get double covered, things are going to get tough for you. But for somebody who wants to get paid that kind of money or receiver number one money, shouldn't you have to be that without Debo Samuel on the field?
1: Well, he's not a number one.
0: You think he's number two?
1: He's clearly... Might be the best number two in the NFL. If not
0: the best, he's like top two at least.
1: And he's got to sort of live in that world. Okay. I think that as the best number two or the number two for a 49er football team, as I continue to point out, that is... On paper, one of the you know, greatest shows on earth. When you're when you're looking at how stacked they are offensively, that's saying a lot. And everybody wants to get the bag, and everybody's right. and understand it. Like you're as good as your last game. Just go ask Talanoa Funga, who goes from being the energy guy and all Pro Bowl performer a year ago, and Talanoa may never see the field again for the 49ers. I know
0: that not, sounds but, sort of harsh. I get your point, yeah. And it's
1: not the injury so much because I think he'll come back from you know the injury, but the ACL. But if this kid, you know, it's, well, it's dollars and cents. If is Jair Brown his replacement?
0: I don't think so. I think they want to pair them together and have Jair be the free safety and Fulgham be the strong safety sense. once Gibson is gone after this season.
1: Because I think Brown was brought in because Taj Gibson is,
0: yeah, you know, it's, Taj Gibson, t- t- Bulls, Bulls <laughs> legend. Deshaun <laughs> Gibson, Gibson, yes, is is
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, he he is the logical replacement, I think there. But I think. That yeah, maybe you pair those two. But I'm just saying as an example of you know life in the NFL, that it's so fleeting that yeah, I understand that you need to get that money. You need to get paid, Brandon Ike BA, go go do it. But he to me is not
0: this is not number one written on him. And I don't think he's that guy that can carry the load. Could I argue that in this system there really isn't a number one receiver that Ayuk does his thing as the number one technician of routes, getting open uh, and just getting open in space for Brock Purdy. Whereas Debo is a number one of the endarounds, the running stuff, the underneath stuff, the physicality. It's almost like they want to merge two players into one to make you know, no. A star I, receiver. That's a
1: good point, and I think I you can make that you can make that argument. But you just have to keep in mind the ball's got to get in the hands of Debo Samuel, more so than Brandon Ayuk. So whether you want to label him as a wide receiver or a hybrid running back, Debo's got to touch the football. And so I think just by definition that makes him your number one.
0: The text line asked us earlier, if I can find it here, he asked us, uh, or, or they asked us, excuse me, that are we out on the trick plays of the Debo Samuel trying to throw the ball downfield to Ayuk? Tried it last night, didn't work, slipped flipped it away and said, you know, end the play. Uh, it does feel like the Debo end-arounds aren't working as much as they used to. It does feel like the Debo trick plays haven't worked much. Now, they could work eventually, right, depending on the opponent. But it does feel like that some of the, the trickery isn't working as it used to in 2021.
1: Well, they the last time, if I'm not mistaken, they used that was the touchdown pass and it worked against Dallas in the playoffs a year ago. I think so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing of trickery is that you use it once a year, right? So I don't think it's going to have any sort of regularity. Debo's just got to touch the football. Debo's just got to – I like it when he's in the backfield. Forget about the trickery. That's how I scored last night. This is is where he is. He doesn't need to get something on an end around, you know, a jet sweep. Just give him the ball. Let him go a-gap. Just let him go off tackle. Talk about Trent Williams. Let him go off of Trent Williams. Like that dude's strength. I watch those games, and I always – every time I see him catch a ball in space, I'm like – and I always play this game with myself. There's no way the first tackle is going to bring him down. I don't know that I've ever seen a – just him being brought down on a solo tackler. He goes down, but it's usually you know after he breaks that first tackle, and then he gets gang-tackled. Very rarely will somebody who's out on an island, or who's ISOed with him, bring down Debo Samuel. And his strength, it's sort of that old man strength. <laughs> well,
0: he, he is a dad now. He, he, he has dad strength. And that's
1: true, but he's got that lower body and yeah. those calves and the thighs. As like a, That dude is just – him in the open field is just – we talk about Trent Williams coming at you. If you're a DB, it's almost as bad if the ball's in the hands of Debo Samuel and he's walking you down because you're not bringing him down. Like You need a host of tacklers. And Debo, whether it's trickery, I would just say, hey, listen, Debo, line up in the backfield alongside McCaffrey. Yeah. like we're that, That's what we're going to do on this sequence.
0: It's almost as if you have to get Debo the ball, even if it's not working by default. Like you have to make the defense stay honest. Because if you don't, then they're going to double-team Kittle, and they're going to go after McCaffrey and Ayuk, whereas if you get Debo the ball, even if it's five times for ten yards, and he does really nothing effectively on offense, it's just get him the ball just so the defense has to tackle him or just has to stay honest with him. Yeah, and I think
1: he's one of those guys that sets the table. I think that when he breaks tackles, it's subtle, but he brings the energy. George Kittle does the same thing. Not having Debo, it's sort of like not having Draymond Green. You lose a lot of the, the personality. Now, he's not.
0: Well, yeah, he, he ain't getting tossed out of games and getting two no, text, but no, still. But the
1: point being is that there's, there's something that he brings that it's not something that you can see. In statistics? It's non-quantifiable. Yeah. Ooh, listen to the man out of (laughs) Oklahoma. Non-quantifiable from one Sterling Bennett here on a Black Friday. Not exactly sure what that means, but I think we're saying (laughs) the same thing. All right. We got to get to a break. Uh, Is that quantifiable for you? It is, yeah. (laughs) But he is – just to wrap things up, when he – I don't think it's by coincidence when he wasn't available – they suffered those three losses.
0: Well, take it further. He scores the first touchdown last night. You see Juwan Jennings show his physicality carrying five guys for a first down. You see Chris McCaffrey seemingly spin out of three tackles for a touchdown. It feels like it carries over into the offense. It, it kind of infects the offense in a good way of like, we have our, our bell cow back on the field, and every one of you is going to go out there and get rack and yak, and you're going to score touchdowns.
1: Juwan Jennings, by the way, man, I love this guy. That wasn't isolated last night. This dude's yep. always
0: nasty. He gets, like, one catch a game, and it's always a must-watch.
1: But he's always nasty, almost to the point where you want it to be, like, he's sort of like Dre Greenlaw. Like, you're so good, but because you got that nasty, like, personal fouls are always, like, he's always in, he's, he's- butting right up against within the rules of the
0: NFL and not getting walked off for 15. He's that guy you see and you look into his eyes and you say, I've known you live through some stuff and I know you've seen some stuff. I don't want to mess with you.
1: <laughs> he has he has a linebacker mentality. Yeah. There's certain wide receivers and certain offensive guys that have a defensive outlook. He has a defensive mentality. And what he did yesterday, four defenders, <laughs> and he was three yards from the first down and just would not be denied. All right, we're going to continue to talk about the 49ers' big win over the Seattle Seahawks. I want to hear from you guys as we set the stage for the Philadelphia Eagles. Is this the best team in football? And more specifically, can they beat Philadelphia? This segment is sponsored by AC Transit. Back with more Sterling Bennett and Dan Avone on a Friday here at 95 7 the game.